When's the last time God answered one of your prayers? Okay. How about this morning? You woke up, you're here, and... Um, but I just want you to know, as, as pastor of this church three years ago, when, when I stepped into that position, Alex didn't even tell me what was going to be involved. He just said, hey, here you go. <laughs> um, my biggest prayer was, God, would you just provide people to come alongside of what you're already doing and to care for your people? That's my biggest. Um, I'm a shepherd. I've done the, you know, the, the gifts test, all those gift tests. I always try to be something different. And it always comes back the same thing. Um, I'm a shepherd, so my heart is to care for people. And so I, what I pray is, God, would you bring people that would care for people? And uh, that's been my biggest prayer. He's already provided that right out of the gate. We have an amazing staff here at this church, an amazing staff, <laughs> who literally lay their lives down for us. And um, the stuff they do, we don't even see most of the time. It just, it just happens. And what I'm excited about is that Several months ago, I started having a conversation with Jan Beatty, and I asked her because we've been getting to know each other the last few years in early morning prayer, 6.30 Tuesday mornings, you're invited to come to pray. And I found out that she used to be a Foursquare pastor in Richland, Washington. And when she moved over here in the 90s, you know, I was thinking the 90s were just a few years ago. But the math... The 90s were 30 years ago. Yikes. Anyways. Um, so in the 90s, when they, her and Bill moved over here, Bill, good to see you this morning. Yeah. Love having you here today. Okay. Um, she let her license go and really focused on uh, the ministry God called her to do, which was a counseling ministry. And then she focused on the new ministry called Retirement yeah. through Foursquare. I thought it was an easy process. Like, she already had her license. All she has to do is make a phone call. And then they would just say, Jan, Petey, welcome back. They said, Jan, you need to start all over again. And so she, with her tenacity, you'll get to know her a little bit. But also in humility, she said, I will do that. And she worked tirelessly. I mean, six or seven pages you had to write, books she had to read. She had a coach that would walk her through and tell her all the hard stuff. And we just found out just a few weeks ago, she got the thumbs up from Foursquare, <laughs> which we already knew. So, which we already knew. So, I want to introduce her to you this morning as Renton Christian Center's new prayer and care pastor. So, could you come? She's going to give you a little highlight here. Granddaughters are going to come up and help her out. Sons, grandsons. You all can come. Yeah, yeah. go for it. I mean, this, this is family, and I'm so glad to have you all here this morning. Yes, when Kevin just kind of threw out, you know, one, one Tuesday morning, have you thought about getting relicensed? My first thought was, you got to be kidding. <laughs> I'm 75 years old. And I was really blessed, first of all, to, to be in this church home, but to be near my family. Um, we had lived for a long time in the Tri-Cities, where I was an administrator and uh, involved in, in treatment and mental health. And I've, I've gotten 
just a few words, personal words from the Lord. Uh, and one of them was to go into ministry. And so um, I got licensed. Um, and Bill and I, he was co-pastor with me. And we founded the healing rooms in the Tri-Cities. And the backstory to that is, God, it's been a long journey. I mean, I was saved when I was four years old. A neighbor asked my mom if she could take me to church. And I loved it. And I, st I still remember. And God heard that, that commitment. And he, he's brought me through so many things, so many healings, so many miracles, um, that it just validated that this God is real. <laughs> he's not one-dimensional that we read in the Bible. This God is alive and real today. And that, that gets expressed as he moves through his people. And we, we've had some wonderful people in our lives. Well, things were, were going really pretty good for us in Richland. And one day I get that phone call that no parent ever wants to get, that our daughter had died in a car accident, our oldest daughter. And out of that brokenness, I began to, to really seek God. Because I, I knew there had to be more. I mean, what makes people willing to lay down their lives for this Jesus? And as I began to seek him and cry out for him, um, I found out there was another revival going on. Now, we had been involved in the 60s and the 70s with the Jesus movement and charismatic and so on. And so um, we just we stepped in. Wherever I heard God was moving, that's where I wanted to be. And if there was an anointed minister... I was right there sticking my head under his hands or her hands, okay? I, I wanted more of God. That hunger was so deep within me. And when he said to go into ministry, here I was, administrator of a mental health center, family, and involved, and I said, okay. Thank God he, he gave me an enormous amount of energy. I could use some more of that today, I think. <laughs> and so uh, we were involved in, in healing ministry, and uh, you can't say that God doesn't heal today when I've seen cancers healed. I saw a woman who'd been in a, a car accident, and her leg was, was twisted, and God straightened it out and healed her. A child who had some kind of stomach disorder, and doctors could not figure out what was going on. After we prayed, Jesus healed her, and it never bothered her again a young man with hepatitis C. Now, the ones that I'm telling you about are ones that we got doc documentation on, okay? Arms and legs growing out for back issues and problems. So I know that Jesus is our healer, and that fits perfectly with being foursquare, because that's part of the foundation of who we are. Jesus, our Savior, our healer, baptizer in the Holy Spirit, and soon coming King. Well, they reached a point where you, you just sense that there's, there's change coming. And so I resigned uh, from being in mental health, resigned from our ministries. I was a prayer and care pastor at uh, Columbia Foursquare Church and also home group pastor, recruiting, training, loving people, hosting sometimes, doing leaders, uh, being a leader in home groups because that, you know, that's an awesome place for people to grow and resigned all that because our family, Brian and we have a daughter also, 
uh, had moved over here. And so we packed up, moved over here, and Bill went to work for a while, and I had a private practice in, in Issaquah. And so when this, this idea, Kevin floated, came, even though I said, you got to be kidding, almost immediately in my spirit, I felt, yeah, I got to do this. I have to do this. Because the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. Another translation says they cannot be recalled. When God speaks, he speaks it the first time, and he means it. And so I began to uh, pursue the course of study. And I have the utmost respect for our students who have learned online, because this grandma had to learn online. And I had Kevin as my sponsor, Pastor Marcy as my coach, and she was right there reading my papers, encouraging me, uh, keep, keeping me going, but I, I was determined to do this. And then um, everything was finished, and in mid-December, uh, I had the interview with the credentialing uh, committee for licensing, and that was three hours. Three hours, and Marcy was right there beside me. <laughs> and, I, and I have to tell you, I am so grateful that Foursquare has really looked at uh, what they're what they're wanting to encourage in pastoral leadership, and have changed uh, so many things and tightened it up. And the the committee were wonderful people, but I I can remember going before my graduate thesis committee. And the licensing committee for Foursquare was more thorough and more tough than that committee was. So praise God, he got me through it. Prayer and care pastor is using those gifts, the, the gifts of my background, my training. Um, and those are gifts from God as well. And I'm available 24-7 to you all and to this community, because I know we, we've come through some, some pretty tough times, and I've already had the opportunity to meet with some people, and, and I'm so grateful and humble to be able to do that and want to continue. We want to reach out, because there's a lot of other hurting people out in the community that we, we want to reach. And so prayer and care, caring for everyone here, I know there's such hearts of love in this place, and you pour out to people. And that's one of the things that, that draws me. One of the other things that drew me was Kevin's heart for more of God. This is one of the people I call a relentless pursuer of God. If there's more of God, then that's what I want. And that's what I see in Kevin. And I'm, I'm just uh, very thankful to be able to uh, partner with, with the staff here. Another piece of what I'm doing, and I think it's a, an outflow of prayer and care, is working with Kevin and setting up connect groups. Um, please be praying. What is that yes that's inside you when I say connect groups? Whether you want to be in one, whether you want to host one, whether you want to lead one. Um, this is kind of a spoiler because there's a lot more coming out very soon on connect groups. And uh, it, it's going to be a blessing, a real blessing to everyone. So 
Thank you, Renton Christian Center, for allowing me um, to experience your love. And I want to give back. My heart is to serve all of you and to serve this community. All right, Ryan, why don't you guys come up? In fact, let's do this. Can we, actually, we're going to go over and stand by Bill. Can we do that? Can we come over by you, Bill? We're going to pray for, pray for her and them. All right. Can you extend your hands towards them this morning? God, we are so thankful that your calling is your calling. That you don't recall it, you don't take it back, but you speak, and what you speak is true. So thank you for calling Jan and Bill into this place. Lord, we pray that every moment of every day, they would know that you're with them, that as they step with you, as they walk with you, they would lead well. Lord, open up their, their hearts even more. Give them insight and wisdom on how to, how to speak and how to reach out to people in our community and in this church. Lord, we pray that you would open the doors. Open the doors wide. And we're thankful for them. We're thankful for their yes in Jesus' name. And the church said? Amen. 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 That's awesome. All right. Hey, she mentioned spoiler alert, but let me give you another spoiler alert. All y'all are called. You don't have to have a three-hour interview. In fact, a few weeks ago, I guess it was about three or four weeks ago, uh, somebody in our congregation had to go to the hospital uh, in an emergency, and uh, we, got, we got the call. We sent it out on the prayer chain on our email. By the way, if you want to be on the email prayer chain, um, please let Annie know, and we'll get you signed up for that. Um, Jan had seen that email. She was up in Kirkland coming back, and her response to me, Jan, I'm telling on you, this is one of those where I have to ask for forgiveness instead of permission. But she, she actually texted me and said, oh, if only I had my license, if I had my license, I'd stop by and I'd visit. And I said, Jan, you don't need a piece of paper to go and visit. And they did and had this incredible moment. Um, and I believe there was healing when, there, when this person was prayed for. They're, they're doing amazing now. It was really grim. Um, and so now there's, there's hope. Um, they're not here today. They must be out just running around this morning. This morning. That's good. Hey, we're in our Bibles today in 2 Peter chapter 2. We are wrapping up chapter 2. It's one huge continuous thought. And we've been um, taking these little bite-sized pieces um, of it. And we're going to take the final bite of chapter 2 this morning. And as I'm looking around the room, by the way, Elizabeth, welcome home. Elizabeth's been gone for about a month or so. Back to her, back to Africa, and so she's home, so welcome back. You know, Peter's warning the, the church about false teachers and the deception that they will bring uh, into the church, and it's really important for us to, to be aware of these. And sometimes we want to read this stuff, and it's like, I don't really want to talk about this stuff. I really don't want to read about this stuff. But it's important for us as the church to know uh, what might be coming our way, and so we can stand firm with him. And so instead of just picking it up in uh, the last few verses, 19 through 22, I'm going to read the whole thought I'm going to read all of chapter 2 this morning, and then we'll jump in from there. 2 Peter chapter 2, But there were also false prophets among you, among the people, just as there were false teachers among you. 
And they secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing them swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct and will bring the way of truth in disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has been long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, putting them into chains of darkness to be held for judgment, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought a flood on its ungodly people, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes, and made them an example of what was going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the depraved conduct of the lawlessness. For the righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to hold the unrighteous for punishment on the day of judgment. This is especially true for those who follow the corrupt desires of the flesh and despise authority. Bold and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings. Yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such things when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. But these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed. And like animals, they too will perish. Everybody take a deep breath. Waiting for good news. They will be paid back with harm for harm they have done. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They are experts in greed and a cursed brood. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezer, who loved the wages of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. These people are springs without water, a mist driven by the storm. Blackest darkness is reserved for them, for they mouth empty boastful words by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh. They entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom. These are the verses we're going to focus on this morning. These false teachers promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves to depravity. The people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and, and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their back on the sacred command that was passed down on them. As the Proverbs are true, a dog returns to its vomit, and a sow is washed 
it returns to wallowing in their mud, in the mud. All right, there you go. We're only losing one, so that's not bad. Is this Peter just being Peter? Kind of the, what we would kind of read? No, this is Peter being led by the Holy Spirit to let us know what's going on. This is a love letter to us. And sometimes love letters need to be firm. And this is about as firm as it gets. What is exactly, Peter, what are you trying to tell us here? And without sounding blasphemous, I've got to really be careful here, but I'm going to say a few words here. Without sounding blasphemous, there are some weird Bible verses. Okay? One of them we repeat in my family just periodically once in a while, kind of almost joking, but it's true. Three of the, two of the Bible verses I'm thinking of, kind of the weird Bible verses, was, is Balaam. The non-Jewish prophet's donkey who talks. That's in the Bible. That, if you don't know that story, you've got to read Numbers chapter 22. Just read it. It's a, it's a prophet who's disobeying God, who thinks he's obeying, but really disobeying God. And God speaks, opens the donkey's mouth, and the donkey speaks. You've got you to read it. Weird verses, but so true. And then Peter refers to another one here. As a dog returns to his vomit, the full passage is, so a fool returns to their foolishness. And, so, and then he talks about, well, if you clean up a pig... It's still going to be a pig. It's still going to get dirty and get in the mud. And so why does Peter, I think, why does Peter use like pigs and dogs here? I mean, most of us don't have pigs. I mean, remember back in the day when pet pigs were really popular? Okay, you raised them and eat them? No, you didn't know. You just raised them. Anybody ever have a, one of those little pet pigs, those indoor pigs? Okay, there is one pig in the neighborhood. Okay. All right. You, Bill, you had one. Okay. Of course you did, Bill. Oh, you had one. Yes. That's where they should be, on a ranch. Not really in your house. Um, how about dogs? Any dog owners in here? Yeah. See, dog owners, you know, dogs are fine. But in, in here, dogs and pigs were considered detestable to Jewish people. Did you know that? I didn't know that. That when they looked at dogs, it was detestable. And if you're watching The Chosen right now, anybody watching The Chosen? Okay? There are scenes in there when Matthew has a dog. And you notice that whenever they're like, Matthew has a dog, one of the guys said recently, when one of the episodes, I can't tell you what episode, but they looked at Matthew and they said, whose dog is that? He goes, that's my dog. And the guy's response was, well, of course you have a dog. Because Matthew was considered detestable. Because he was a tax collector. He was a traitor to his own people. So, of course, you would have a detestable animal because you're a detestable person. And so, when Peter talks about this type of stuff, this is real stuff. And there's a reason why he brings this stuff up. And we're going to probably read one of the saddest verses. To me, one of the saddest verses in the Bible we read this morning. We're going to jump into it in just a minute. But the fact that Peter's comparing people who have experienced and tasted the goodness of God and yet still choose to walk away. Let's read that. It's uh, verse 20 and 21. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing 
our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they are worse off in the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. What is Peter saying here is we are accountable for what we do with the good news of Jesus. Theologically, are these people, were these people saved and then they lose their, their salvation? We're not going to go there this morning. There's two big trains of thought on that. What I believe here is people that experience the presence of Jesus, they like what they experience. They even hang out for a while. But then they choose after a while, nah, I'm just going to go back to what I was doing before. And what Peter is saying here, they are accountable now for knowing that there is hope, that there is rescue, and yet choosing the opposite. And it reminds me of the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, that Jesus talks about a sower that goes out, a farmer that goes out to sow seed, and there's four different types of soil. There's the pathway, there's a walkway, there's rocky soil, so it's, there's some soil in it, but there's a lot of rocks in it. There's soil that is just entangled with weeds and almost overtaken by thorns and thistles. And then there's this good soil. I think we all want to be the good soil, right? But I think sometimes we have different plots in our gardens. And there's different areas of our lives that that seed falls upon. And so what we see here is that the path is a hard ground. It's a trampled ground. It's where the seed, the ground is so hard, the seed won't penetrate it, so it just lays on top, allowing to be walked on and then allowing the birds to just come and eat it. Anybody ever plant a yard back in the day? And you plant all the seed, and then the next day you go out there, and it's like, where did all my seed go? Well, the birds came and ate it. Because it's not firmly down into the soil. And there's this rocky soil, it's a shallow soil, so when life happens and when the heat gets turned up in our life, we wither and we fade away. And then there's the soil here that I believe that Peter's talking about. Because Peter says that they're entangled, that they're overcome. And so the soil that is full of weeds, there's an entanglement, there's Weeds and thorns that grow up around that seed that choke us out, that overpower us, that own us even. And then there's that good soil. And you realize that good soil takes a lot of preparation. A lot of preparation. We have a garden spot at our house. I think it's about 30 by about 24 at a, slight, at a slight angle, so I'm not going to do the math. So I don't know the geometry of that. So we were so busy in the projects last year, we we like, hey, we're going to, let's weed the garden. So we literally, hands and knees, digging down about a foot, digging out every weed. And we got these little tubular things that grow through it. They're horrible. They're everywhere. And you chase them down. And you, anyways, and she's been doing this for years. This was my first year at it. Yay. yay. Yay me. So I have about 10 hours into that. And I go out there about two weeks later, and I see all these little tiny, I mean tiny, little tiny little, little green leaves. I mean, 
about us almost, I mean, tiny, but they're like everywhere. I'm like, well, and then we started talking like, okay, we're not going to have a garden. We're going to focus on the house. And we've done a lot in a year. We've done a lot of projects on the house. And I was like, you know what? It's just little tiny things. They're tiny. It's no big deal. I'm not going to worry about them. Three months later, those weeds are taller than me. Our garden was, I mean, and I, I know some of you are saying, well, that's not very tall. But still, that's pretty tall for weeds. So I went through it. Again, we pulled them all, burned them. Another scriptural reference, but we burned those weeds. And then I was like, but they had gone to seed, so there's, so it looked clean, but you just know. And so I did a lot of research, and they said, well, just get a torch and go across it and burn it. It's very satisfying. Because <laughs> you can hear them popping and crackling. And I did it four different ways. I did it this way, this way, and then, then angled, and then back the other angle. And then I waited about a week and a half, and guess what? Just a few here and there. I burned it again. <laughs> then it stirred it up, and then we put leaves all over, about four inches of leaves all over. Nathan Jones, not in the house, but he helped. He, he gathered leaves for me. And then we put a bunch of hay on, to, and now we're just waiting to uncover it and see what happens this spring. It takes a lot of work for soil to be prepared in the right way. And so I believe that we, we do some of that work, but I also believe God does most of that work. The thing is, in this parable, the dirt doesn't get to choose its fertility, but we do. We can choose to not be trampled on and to soften our hearts, right? We can remove those rocks, and so we're not shallow and deep. Even if it's one rock at a time, even if it's a section at a time. Now, again, trusting that the Lord is doing that in us. Because he loves us and he cares for us, do you realize that Jesus does that work in us? We like to call it the churchy word. It's sanctification. He's always working in us. He's always pulling those rocks out for us. But sometimes, like we're little kids, we want, we want that rock back. Oh, that's my favorite rock. <laughs> you know? Now, just let him take those rocks away. And then we can be pursuers of that too. Like, Jesus, you can have all the rocks you want. We can be free. We can choose to be free from the entanglement of the things of this world. We could choose to be hungry soil, ready to receive the good news of Jesus in our lives. So when I read this passage, sometimes it gets you so locked in. It is such a long thought process, and it's very to the point. And it almost seems, by the time you get to the end of it, it almost seems hopeless. If you read it, and you're like, well, I'm kind of waiting for the, the good news. Well, the good news was right in the middle. God knows how to rescue the righteous. I believe that God always gives us opportunity to turn back to him. I mean, we could read this passage and say, well, man, for those people that have tasted the goodness of God and walked away, there's no hope. See, I don't believe that about our God. I believe that there is hope. That is him who's working in us 
And Jesus tells the story of a young man who decided to, like, you know what? I want to live it up. I'm, I, want to, I want to go out on my own. And so he approaches his dad with the ultimate act of disrespect and says, Dad, I know you're not dead yet, but I want the money that you're going to leave me. And you know what the dad's response was? I know what my response would be. <laughs> As my son in the house goes like this. <laughs> and my response would be this. But this dad says, all right, it's yours. And this guy just takes off, and this young guy just takes off, and he's just spending his money. And he's got tons of friends. I mean, tons of friends while he has the money. But as soon as that money's gone, his friends are gone with it. And he finds himself so desperate, a young Jewish boy is doing a job that nobody wanted, and he's feeding those detestable animals. He's feeding pigs. That's his job, to take care of pigs. But he didn't even make enough money and so to even eat, so what does he end up having to do? He has to eat what the pigs are eating. How do you like that? I'm praying our potluck Sunday lunch is way better than that. I've already seen some of it. It looks really good. Okay. He gets to the point where he says, you know what? I'm going to have to humble myself and, and go back home if I'm going to survive. And so he humbles himself, and he goes back. And in his mind, he says, you know what? I'm not even worthy to be even called a child of my father any, any longer. That's how far he had humbled himself. Meanwhile, this whole time, Jesus says the father would go out on his front porch and look for his son to come home. And in this case, this day, the father sees the son from a long ways off. Now again, if I'm in this story, I'm not trying to make it about me, but I am today. I'm waiting on that porch. And while I see him, I'm like, ooh, I'm working it up. I know exactly what I'm going to tell that young man as soon as he gets to my front steps before he steps on my property. But what does this father do? What does Jesus say about this father to a son who had turned his back and walked away after knowing the goodness of being in that family? The father runs to his son. The father celebrates that the son is back. Says, my son was lost, but now he is found. And he celebrates robes, rings, food. You're going to get food today right after church. No robes or rings, but food. But party, they celebrate the fact that his son has come home. This is the God that Jesus is introducing us to. That we have hope, even if we've turned away and walked away from the goodness of God, there is hope. He says that we can come home anytime we want to. Now, turning to go back home will take an act of humility. But sometimes we allow our circumstances and the choices that we make to define us. And so did he. He allowed his decisions to define him. He allowed the feelings of those decisions of sadness and shame and regret to like overtake him and entangle him. 
to the point where he was extremely broken. And yet there's still this longing inside to say, I need to go home. And maybe that's for some of us today, watching from at home, in this house, that there's decisions that we've made and those decisions have led to sadness and grief and shame. And the invitation I just want to say this morning is to come home, to come home. Jesus welcomes us with open arms. According to the story, he's looking for us. He's longing for us to come home. Let's stand together this morning. You know, Peter talks about freedom. If anyone comes to you and says, hey, you can be free, and they don't include Jesus in that freedom, then it's not true freedom. Because Jesus himself said, who the Son sets free will be free indeed. Paul says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And Jesus' job description in Isaiah, and then when Jesus spoke it, he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, and he has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and a recovery of sight for the blind and to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's goodness. God, we are thankful for your goodness this morning. We're thankful for the freedom that we have in you this morning. God, we're thankful that you tell us the story in your word about the Father who waits. The Father who is generous, but the Father who waits with compassion for his child to come home. And Lord, I pray, God, today that if there's any of us that need to come home to you, We've made some decisions. We're doing some stuff on the side that's not of you. In fact, it's the opposite things that you want us to do. Your invitation is for us to come home. And Lord, I thank you that you receive us with open arms today. That you, re you restore us. And it's, not, it's like we haven't even left. I thank you that our identity is not in those things, but our identity as followers of you is in you. You are our everything. And Jesus, today we don't allow the things of the world to overtake us. We don't serve those things. God, we serve you. We worship you. We come back to you. And church, I just want to invite you this morning, if, if you're just having that conversation inside your head and heart right now, and you just feel like, man, I, need, I, do, I do need to make that decision to come home to Jesus, then continue that conversation with him this week. Don't let it be a passing moment. Even pull somebody aside today and have a conversation. Ask them to pray with you, not just for you, but with you as you pray. And I pray for breakthrough this week, God. That you'd be working in our hearts, Jesus. That you'd give us more and more and more of you as we press in to your presence. In Jesus' name. And the church said?
Amen. Amen. Well, we would love to pray for you. If, uh, if you want to come forward and, and receive prayer, but we're also going to have lunch together too. And so we invite you to stay. If, you, if you're saying to yourself, I, if it's one of those things, well, I didn't bring anything so I can't stay, don't let that to be a thing. Because I see some people saying, I brought two things. This is four actually, Karen, but okay. <laughs> so yeah, there's plenty of food, so please stay. Don't put your coat on. Just please stay for lunch. All right. All right, God bless you. Okay. <laughs>